This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. So we're on the third part of the teaching of the series on the work on the work of faith. And like I said, the objective is to it's to teach um, faith as in the Christian faith and to teach it properly in all its ramifications so that we can have a full understanding of it. Praise God. Something happened um, because of the um, the drive of the um, you know charismatic evangelical. There was a charismatic evangelical movement. If you check church history, they said. There was there have been three waves of the Pentecostal movement. The first one happened in the early 20th century with the Azusa Street revival that birthed churches like um, um, you know the churches right, First Square um, Assemblies of God, and churches like that with the work that was done in in, in California, Azusa Street. Sometime in the middle of the 20th century, also um, uh, close before I think in 1960 before the Vietnam War, there was a second move. Of Pentecostalism in America, right? Um, there was a second move. And then there was a third move that happened in the 80s, right? And the third move that happened with the with people like Brother Hagen and um, um, Pastor, what's his name now? Oh, Archbishop with Osa's mentor, what's his name now? I keep forgetting. Um, T.L. Osborne. And T.L. Osborne, there was a third move that happened, praise God. Now, interestingly, that at the same time was the, um, there was a kind of staring in some parts of Sub-Saharan Africa. And so many people went to Tulsa, Oklahoma to learn about, to learn and receive from this third wave that was happening, praise God. That third wave is actually what birthed, birthed most of what we call the Word of Faith movement today, right? We know a whole bunch of them in America and other parts of the world, right? So that movement started in the 80s. Now, something interesting happened because of that. The focus or, or the, what the Word of Faith movement was bringing to the body of Christ was an emphasis on, um, the, um, was an emphasis on believing God and you know, believing in God, trusting in God in a sense. It was an emphasis in a sense of trusting in God for things that pertain to the believer's authority, things that pertain to getting things done on the earth for Christians. Hallelujah. So it was an emphasis. It was a movement that brought about an emphasis because the way the body of Christ is and the way Christians tend to do generally, we tend to err to certain sides. We tend to pick sides and try to lean more on that side. We tend to have emphasis and stuff like that. So, you know, over time, over the years, even the three waves of Pentecostalism didn't have the same emphasis. Hallelujah. The first wave of Pentecostalism was it was the major emphasis in Association Revival was speaking of was praying or speaking in tongues. That was the major emphasis. That was the, the, the you know the, the 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 core. In fact, Pentecostalism to theologians is defined as the move that is centered around speaking in tongues. Praise God. Do you understand that? You know, and the second wave and the third wave. For the third wave, it was about believers' authority and faith and stuff like that. So many of our parents from Africa, India, and other parts of the world actually went traveled to America to receive this drive and this drive spread all around the world. Hallelujah. But something happened because of the sense of because of the emphasis. Something happened within the last forty years, and people began to think that that emphasis is all there has to be about faith. Do you understand that? 
people began to think that that emphasis is all there has to be about faith. So when you're talking to an average Christian who is post word of faith movement or post the third wave of Pentecostalism, if, if you want to have more understanding of the history of Pentecostalism in the last hundred years, you can check out Ryan Reeves' work. Yeah, um, you can check out Ryan Reeves and all that. So that third wave's emphasis on faith um, led to something. Those that, learned, those that were taught by those that learned from that movement began to think or subconsciously or somehow inadvertently began to think that all that there is to faith is the emphasis that that movement brought. Praise God. And so that's why when you tell the average Christian, the average Pentecostal Christian, because all of us Pentecostals in Nigeria are actually Pentecostalism in, in Nigeria, for, for, for better or worse, is the fruit of that third, wave, that third wave. Do you understand that? Before then, what we had were Orthodox churches in Nigeria. What we had were um, um, the Methodists, Wesleyan, Wesleyan um, tradition and the Orthodox tradition. That's what we had. Right, even the older guys like Apostle Bolola and Oshofa and other people, they actually came from the Orthodox and Wesleyan setup. But like I was explaining to some people during the week, whenever you are on the front field of evangelism, you will become charismatic. Do you understand that? Whenever you are the one evangelizing, you are dealing with demons and Satan, hmm? and you are seeing witchcraft, you will become charismatic. Secessionism and not being charismatic and all those kinds of things is the luxury of people that are living in America and Europe that their Christianity is soft. All right? You know, I was giving an example, not to mention, I won't mention names, like I said on Wednesday. A lot of American Reformed folks that were very secessionist, and even if they were not secessionist, functionally, they were secessionist. And then the Lord moved them to go and start doing ministry in China and India. And they came back and said, there's gift of the Spirit. <laughs> When you see some things, you will accept charismatism. You will. There's no, no distance. Right? Like I mentioned his name. Dr. Michael Brown is, I think he's the, he's the most, <laughs> I think he's the most trustworthy Pentecostal teacher because he's, a, he's an academic and he's a proper Pentecostal. He's the one that debates sessionists to tell them that these people are saying from intellectual standpoints. You know, he's the one that responded to, you know, um, MacArthur when he wrote The Strange Fire. He's one of the correct guys. He also had his own stint with secessionism and, you know, he started Pentecostal. You know, when you're becoming intellectual, secessionism will be the next impulse that will come. So he now started going reformed and staying secessionism. And then he saw some things. And then he now started doing ministry in India. And then his eye cleared. And then he saw the word of God. I know this thing is not true. Praise God. Why am I saying all those things? There is a tendency for those who are heirs of the third wave to think of faith in a very narrow sense. Of in the sense of believer's authority and getting your heart's desires, which is not wrong, but will become an error if you think that is all that faith is about. It narrows you, and it makes you very susceptible to heresy. It makes you very susceptible to all kinds of charlatans coming in to teach you the wrong things. Do you understand? So that's why I'm trying to teach faith in such in a very detailed way and in a broad sense. You have to understand that faith, first of all, is believing in God. It's not believing for what you want. Like I said, what are the three things that, that prove a man is walking by faith? Do we remember? What are the three things? You believe in God. You know God and believe in God. You know God and believe in his will. And then you act accordingly. This is what the ancients were commended for. When you see, when you say a man is walking by faith, these are the three things that you see that is common. You don't tell that a man is walking by faith based on his outcome. You tell that a man is walking by faith based on the fact that God commended him. 
Do you understand what I said? That's why when Abel would do something and God commended him, it was sacrifice. But when Enoch would do it, do something commended by God, it was something else. He walked with God. And when Noah would do something, it was building an ark. It was building an ark, walking with God, and making a sacrifice. I did the same thing. Do you hear what I just said now? So a man's outcome in the natural is not what determines whether he's in faith. What determines what is the evidence of him, or what is the proof that a man has worked in the faith, or what is the result? Let me use that word. So I don't, we don't, I don't think we forget on words. What is the result that a man has worked in faith is that God has commended him. So one man will have one talent, one will have two, one will have five. They don't have the same outcome. One will turn his own to ten, another to four. And let's assume that the one that has one talent has sense. He turns it to two. Imagine showing up in church and saying, the one that has ten talents is giving testimony. And a pastor comes and I'll say, if you cannot have ten talents, you're not working in faith. Church all together. He said, if it is God, it will be bigger than you. God does not have small dreams. Now, there's a context where that statement is correct. But that statement cannot be used in a blanket fashion, fashion to determine, to describe Christian faith. Say, if it is God, the dream can If you look, what we we'll go through by the time of Hebrews, you'll see. There are some things that is the will of God that is smaller than you. It's not bigger than you, anything. It's not every time that faith is about getting something big. What is the determinant of faith is that you are walking in the will of God. You are doing the will of God. That you know God and believe in him, that you know his will and you are doing it, and that you are working accordingly. So yes, some people's big faith... <laughs> See, I don't... There are some things... There are some examples I should be able to use that if you will not be able to understand what I'm saying well, because I have some privileged information. If I'm just telling you theory, you'll just be nodding your head and saying, hmm, 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 hmm. If I give you some real examples, give you real examples, it's not all this, um, if you're a pastor, if you're working in faith, God will give you big churches, a lie. You hear what I'm saying to you? Some of you, you're working in faith, is go and meet some few people in one corner and help them and stabilize them. Because 30 years from now, one funny ideology will come to that place and will use that place as a landing port to destroy the whole world. See, uh, see God has helped some people. They are working. That's why they have them shrunk. It's not for everybody. The outcomes of faith in the natural is not the same for everybody. What matters is that you are doing what the will of God is. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Look at the book of Hebrews. Look at the level. What people that were commended. No two one of them had the same outcome. No, no two. All, the only thing they had in common is that God commended them. Not every time God gives you vision that is bigger than you. No, it's not every time. Are you kidding? Some of you, the vision is go and help the children in a school. Go and teach children in a school. Go and be a lecturer. Do you understand that? Not every time Elon Musk. See, if, if you cannot picture something big, it is not God. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. It's not every time you will build an ark. 
to, to, to save the whole world and flood will come. Not everything is a global apocalyptic event. That's for one person. Another person is just do sacrifice. Just ordinary sacrifice. That's what he's commended for. It's not everybody is in your, in your sunshine shall give all, look at Abraham. In your son I shall give all this. It's not everybody. Alright? Some people's own is just work with God and you will disappear. Put all together. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. And then everybody now thinks that ah, if you're not doing something big by natural standards, it means that your faith is not special. Your faith is not big. No. No. That's not what faith is about. That is not what faith is about. Faith is just about trusting God, trusting his will, and working accordingly. Hallelujah. Verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as an as in inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. <laughs> by faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is what? God. By faith, when Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had been made the promise. And so from this one man, and, and he as good as, and so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Hallelujah. You see two things here in that Abraham and Adam and this thing did. Abraham and Sarah did. Two things that we see in common. The Bible says that Sarah judged him faithful. So what is working by faith? Knowing God and trusting him. Do you see that? She judged him faithful. Abraham hearing that the Lord wanted to do something obeyed. So he knew God's will. And both of them did what? Acted accordingly. Do you see that? That's what makes a man a man of faith. It is not having jets that makes you a man of faith. It is not having big things that makes you a man of faith. It is not having fame and power that makes you a man of faith. It is not having things in the natural that are necessarily spectacular that makes you a man of faith. What makes you a man of faith is that you know God and trust him. You know his will and you trust it. You believe it because you trust God. And then you walk accordingly. That is what makes you a man of faith. Don't let, don't put yourself in any ungodly pressure. I've seen the, the evil that this thing causes. I've seen the evil that this thing causes. By the time you begin to think that, you know, when Apostle Paul said something very simple, first Corinthians, first Timothy chapter 6, he said that people that think that godliness is a means to gain. That statement is a very powerful statement. Godliness being a means to gain is a simple formula that explains that whenever people see the things of God as a tool to get the natural benefits, they are already in a problem. That thing manifests in different ways. Some are obvious, but some are less obvious. They come in as snake bites. You now do snake bites. That you will not know. They've already caught you. It has entered your toes. You just fall down. 
It comes in subtle messages. When you teach faith as a way to get your own desires for its own sake, you don't know that you have subtly found yourself teaching that godliness is a means to gain. You don't know. Faith is not the way to get your heart desires. Faith is your way to get the will of God done. Your heart desires are meant to be the will of God. Do you understand that? So faith is not about getting your heart desires. It's about getting the will of God. But your heart desires are meant to be the will of God. When Jesus said, it's still that Mark chapter 11 that causes all this problem. When Jesus says that you can have desires if your heart desires, if you will believe, it is within the context of the will of God. Do you understand that? When I get to the end of this teaching, you will understand why Jesus' emphasis on your desires in that place was so important. You will see why. But before we get there, just understand this. It was within the context of the will of God. It's not about you. It's about God. If you are not careful, you will start thinking that faith is just a way to get. And then before you know it, over time, over time in your mind, over time, what will happen is that you will start using natural earnings or natural things, you start thinking of gain as a yardstick to prove godliness. Do you understand that? You start thinking of gain as the yardstick that proves godliness. That's all Satan needs to get you to do. That's all he needs. Once Satan can confidently get you into the mindset that believes that natural things are the proof of spiritual things, that godliness is a means to gain. That gain is what validates godliness. That gain is what proves that godliness is a place you are done for. Because all he needs to do is to show up with gain and make you act accordingly. So by the time you start doing ungodliness, you will not know because it's getting you that gain that is supposed to be the proof of what? Godliness. together. So this is the thing. The Bible tells us that Noah knew and acted. Abraham heard and acted. All of them knew and had acted. And yesterday and last week, last Sunday, we talked about the evidence for the will of God, right? So now the question is today is that if faith is about knowing God and trusting his will, knowing his will and acting accordingly, how do we know that will? Do you understand that? If you know, I told you about the chain, how the chain can be broken last Sunday, right? You can know God and not know his will. That's where there's a problem. Right? You can know God and not know his will. And you're not acting in faith. If you know God and you don't know his will, you are not acting in faith. If you know God and you don't know his will, you are not acting in faith. You can be beating the air as someone that is fighting aimlessly. You can believe in God and do things contrary and get judgment for it. In types and shadows, we see it from the Old Testament where the Ark of the Covenant is being carried and then the guy will now do it the wrong way and an angel will you know, strike him down because of it. What happened is that the guy believes in God but he didn't know the will of God. Do you understand that? You cannot be commended. You know God, you know his will and then you act according to that. You draw a straight line. That point where a man, where God's personality, where God's character, who God stands for, lines up with your knowledge of his will and your conduct 
when that thing lines up, you know when we're drawing graph, you will, you will solve the simultaneous equation or what quadratic equation have you? You will solve it. Once it lines up, so how do we know his will? And that's why I really want to talk about it because we cannot teach on this without getting this. Praise God. Church out together. So you see how the Abraham story plays now as we go on. First of all, two things that you must get, one thing that you must get settled into your mind, one way to conceptualize God's will, to lay the foundation in your heart so that you can understand it properly, is the fact that God's will comes in two tiers, in two levels. And I've talked about it many times. There is the general will of God, and then there's the individual will. So there's a general will on a level that applies to everybody, or applies to all of creation, or applies to all of God, of, of all believers at the same time, right? It applies to everybody. So there's that level of God's will. And then there's the individual level on the individual will, which is necessitated because we are not all born to the same place at the same time. You know, in the, we are not all born in the same place at the same time. Hallelujah. So, because we are not all born at the same time, to the same place, you know, in the same place, we don't all have the same makeup. We have unique differences and, you know, those kinds of things. God did all those things so that if you look at the, if you look at the whole, um, you know, the all of human existence and all the happen, happenings of human existence as a very, very big tapestry or a very, very big collage. If you look at it as a very, very big work of painting, right? This work of painting is what comes together to give a beautiful picture. But each of those different parts have things going on in those different parts that comes together. So there's no one person, because you are not Jesus, that can attend to all the issues of... There's no one person that can do all of the will of God in all of human existence. As we're in Nigeria now, you cannot solve the problems in America. You cannot solve the one in Australia. You cannot solve the one in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia. You are here at this time to do the purpose of God in this place. Do you understand that? And so because you are sent to this time to do the will of God in this place, you will have some things that pertain to you that cannot pertain to a Christian in America. Do you understand that? There are some things that will pertain to you that will not even pertain to the next Nigerian Christian sitting next to you because you're not even living on the same street. You don't come from the same family. You cannot do the, all the things that he can do on purpose. One of you will focus on something, one of you will do something. Not all of us will be doctors. Not all of us can be doctors, lawyers, everything at the same time. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So because of that, there is an individual base. So that's why you always also see that even all the heroes of faith also had individual things about their work with God. The general will. Look at, um, look at the general will of God. Titus chapter 1. Look at the way Apostle Paul puts it to Titus. I like the way he puts it. So there are many scriptures that suggest this in different ways. But I, want, I look for scriptures that were most you know, poignant and most direct and clear in saying this thing. Paul, a servant of God and apostle. Titus chapter 1 from verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, which now at his appointed season has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of our what? Savior. To Titus, my true son, in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ Savior. Do you see that? So Titus, in our, there are some things that all of us hold common. So you can, if you don't want to call it the general will of God, call it the common will of God. Those are things that pertain to all of us. God wants, first Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. 
I urge first of all that I first of all, I urge first of all that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceable and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Two things are very clear here that God wants in common for all people. God wants us, He wants everybody to live peaceful, quiet lives and godliness and holiness. So war and all those things are not the will of God. The second thing is that he wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of what? The truth. These are things that we all have in common. Is it the will of God for me to be saved? If you don't need, you say, Holy Spirit, talk to me. See, I'm going out of my head. Lord, talk to me. Do you want this person to be saved? Lord, talk to me. Let me know. Give me a witness in my spirit. Do you want to save this person? That's a foolish question. Do you agree? Am I harsh? Right? You see, Lord, do you want Nigeria to have peace? Lord, is it your will that Boko Haram goes? Lord, if it is your will, take away Boko Haram. That's a foolish prayer. Sorry. Let me rephrase that. It's not a wise prayer. <laughs> As of things that we know what the will of God is. Don't be asking God if it is your will, Lord, please. We know what his will is. He wants everybody to live peaceful quiet lives in all words, godliness. He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of him. These are things that we all have in common as human beings. Then there's a level of this thing that applies to you that does not apply to every other person. That's what I call it the most, I call it the specific will of God or the individual will of God. Galatians chapter 6. I don't know what would have been without Apostle Paul because a lot of these more sophisticated points is Paul that made them clear. Galatians chapter 6 from verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. There is a dimension of your way faith work that cannot be compared. Everybody has his own bukata and load. Everyone. You cannot compare. There is a dimension of your work that cannot be compared. That there is no point listening to someone's testimony. Each one will carry their own load. So travel together. Praise God. Each one will carry their own load. There's a dimension of your work that there's no point looking at somebody else and saying, ah, see how the person turned out. Ah, see how the person turned out. And, ah, God, look at my life. Listen. The only place where there can be comparison, so, so to speak, where you can look at someone else and look at yourself and fall short of it and say, okay, oh, they are not, the only place where there's based for comparison are things that, we, that are the common will of God. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? <laughs> so you're looking at a country where there's peace, and you're looking at your own country where there's no peace. Yes, you're okay to say, ah, do we have two heads? Those people are working in peace, and we are not in peace. Do you understand that? But there are some things about your individual work that you cannot compare. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12 says, Therefore, my, firm, my, my friends, 
as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his words good purpose. God is working you to fulfill of his own good purpose as you work out your own salvation. So you see, he talked about our common faith and now he's saying your own salvation. Do you understand that? In one place, he will say common faith, refer to things that pertain to all of us. And in this place, he will now say work out your own salvation. Obviously, he's not saying that you should do well to get yourself saved. He's talking about your work of faith. Your work of sanctification which applies to you, your own your own load, you cannot compare it. Church out together. Finally, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. This one, this one will also answer the question of the gift of faith. You know, it's a place that in first Corinthians chapter 12 that says that God gives us the gift of faith. This is what it means. Romans chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with, with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So don't think of yourself more highly. Just calm down. According to the faith that God has given each of you, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your what? Faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. It is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So you see, he has given to each of one, each of us, our own level measure of faith. The measure of faith here is not measured in terms of quantity. It is measured in terms of quality pertaining to the grace of God given to you. So there's the grace of God that God has given to each and every one of us in Christ. And then there's the grace of God for his gifting that is given to you based on your own body. Based on the part or body that you are serving in the body, functionally are serving in the body. Do you understand that? Did you hear what happened now? So there is a faith that is not doesn't apply to everybody. There is a grace that does not apply to everybody. There is a gifting that does not apply to everybody. That applies to you based on the role that God has given you that applies to you in the body. So he says everybody should think of yourself in accordance with that will. Are you getting what I'm saying? Church, are, you, are you with me? Which is in accordance with what God wants you to do in the body. Which is in accordance with what God wants you to do in the body. So your own faith. So when he's talking about your own faith here, in First Corinthians chapter 12, he also talks about the gift of he also talks about the gift of um, the gift of faith. Praise God. This is what is this is this is actually what he's suggesting. Praise God. This is actually what he's suggesting. Right? There is the measure of faith for what God will have you do. There is, a, there is a measure of faith for what God will have you do, you know, depending on God, what God wants to send you to do at every point in time. When he gives you that measure of faith for that thing, it will not apply to everybody. So Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 calls it the gift of faith. Do you understand that? That is not to be misunderstood as a legover for you to bring tulip into the gospel and say it's because you don't have any ability of yourself to believe God. You are completely depraved and it is God that will give you faith so that you can believe the gospel so it is only those that God gives faith that believe the gospel therefore all those that don't believe the gospel God has planned for them to go to hell before the foundation of the time Mm -mm. this is what the gift of faith means do you understand now that's why you're very very careful you're not you can't one point Calvinist be very very careful when you say stuff like that 
You say the faith that you have is God that gave you. What do you mean? Be careful. Praise God. Church, are we together? Do you understand what it means now? So there is something that applies to you that doesn't apply to everybody. Now, so it now, it now we're not saying that there's something that can apply to you that will be contrary to our common will or to, to, to the common will of God for us. Do you understand that? There is nothing that applies to you in the individual will of God that can contravene the common will. So the common will cannot be um, the common will cannot be okay, let's use marriage. The common will for, cannot be the will of God for marriage everywhere is that the man should love his wife as Christ loved the church and for man to submit and both of them to be one flesh and then for them to live in peace and everything and everything. You now say, no. God is doing something in my life. And his will for me is that I will love two women. Say, <laughs> so the Lord is doing something. No, no. When we're talking about the common will or the individual will compared to the common, whatever individual is, is that God will, in your own marriage, there will be that Christian template, but the particular person you will marry will be unique to you. Do you understand that? Do you understand now? So your individual will cannot contravene the common will. In fact, the individual will is the common will brought down into the individual work. Do you understand that now? (laughs) The individual will is even the common will brought down into your individual work. It is the, 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 you know, the common will is low resolution. The individual will is high resolution. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Put that we together. So, the reason why there is an even need for any specific will is the, the degree to which our physical circumstances are different. The will of God on an individual level will become more specific to the degree that our individual work are what? Different. Put it together. And you know, have no idea what it must be like looking at things from God's perspective. The amount of complications and, you know, different situations going on. People with different agency at different points and in different times doing all kinds of different things. Praise God. Put it together. So you have to understand this. That's how the will of God works. There is that will, that common will, and there is that word, specific will. Hallelujah. So your own specific will can never be at odds with the general will. I want that to understand. I want that to seek. I want that to sink in. The specific will of God for you can never be at odds for the common will. You can never say, ah, for example, the, the will of God, the common that all Christians have in common is walking in the fruit of the spirit. You now say, at this point in time, God wants me to act like an agbiru, so that I can solve this problem. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Praise God. You know, there is no, no. The, 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 at every point in time, at every point in time, your specific will must cohere with the common will that God has for all of us. Hallelujah. So, how do you now get to know that will? Now, let's get into it. How do you now get to know that will? Right? Both the general and the specific. Hallelujah. Now, you are going to do matrices, a calculation in your head, and I'm going to say something, because what I'm about to teach now requires you holding all the information I've been teaching in your head at the same time and use them to solve the problems. Did, you guys, did any of you ever do further mass? Did not do matrices? You guys, don't worry. The Lord will help you. Amen. Sheridan already told me today that even if your pastor is intellectual, God should help me. So you will not say the wrong way. 
<laughs> I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Praise God. Right? So, you guys, listen. What, I'm, what I mean to say is that you have to keep in mind what I've said earlier. One of the things that you have to keep in mind is the three levels of evidence that God gives. Those that did not come to church last Sunday, please get the message. That's, let me just do a brief recap. There are three levels of evidence that God gives. Hmm? The first level of evidence is um, general evidence, which is not specific, which we can see external to us. We see it in the world, we see it in science and wonders and all those things. Those are the things that God will show you for you to have a vague idea of what God is doing or who God is. Do you understand that? You look at the world, Romans chapter 1 verse 20, you look, Jesus tells us you cannot build outside. So those are things that you see outside. You see a miracle, you see a pastor pray for someone, it's still general evidence, you know that God exists. It does not tell you anything about the will of God or the nature of God. Yet, it just tells you that God is powerful, that God even cares about people sometimes. It doesn't tell you some specific things. And the specific will of God is known from the scriptures. That's the second level of revelation, which is what is specific revelation. Hallelujah. That is what that, the one that comes from the word of God, from the scriptures, inspired by the law and the prophets and the apostles now. Hallelujah. You know, that God breathed the law and the prophets and now the apostles. Praise God. Those are those things tell you some things about God. Those ones, it gives you more specific information about how God does the things. He tells you all that a human being needs to know about God's value systems, God's nature, God's character in more specific, clearer terms. You see it at that second level, which is what the specific will of God, the word of God. Church, are we together? And the third um, way that God gives us evidence for his will or for his person is that he does it by the witness of the Spirit. That is at the level of your consciousness, where God shows you something in your consciousness that you cannot teach another person. It's an internal experience that cannot be shared. In neuroscience, it is called qualia. It is that thing that you experience internally that you cannot transfer. It is that non-reducible level of evidence that you cannot communicate to another person. I hope my English is not so much. I'm trying my best to really break it up. What I'm saying is when you have color blue, when you understand what color blue is, you cannot teach someone what color blue is. Do you understand that? You cannot tell someone what color blue is. It's a non-transferable knowledge. You cannot tell someone the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the original cases now, the real cases, so not the fake ones. Do you understand that? There's no way to communicate to someone that the Holy Spirit, someone who has not experienced it, is only someone that has experienced it, just like someone, just like only someone who has seen color yellow before. That you can tell that's color yellow, and both of you understand. Because the person has experienced it before. But you cannot teach the person that has not experienced it before. You cannot tell someone that's blind, that has never been born, what does yellow look like? Try it. Someone that has never seen, has never been born, eh, that, since he has been born, tell him, describe yellow to him. Describe blue. There's people that are born with this condition where they cannot feel pain. They've never felt pain in their life before. There are some people that are born with that condition. Describe pain to that person. It's so bad that sometimes when you forget some experiences, it's very hard for you to appreciate what other people are going through. That's why some people, when they become rich and they hammer, they are forgotten what it's like to be broke. So when you are describing trenches today, <laughs> they cannot relate again. There are some information that is not transferable. <laughs> Church, are we together? So, for, as far as the will of God is concerned, he can give us the evidence for us to know it at these three levels. Church, are we together? Hold that information in your mind as I go on. You are going to see how it goes hand in hand with all the things I'm about to say now. So, 
How do you walk in the will of God? Let's, let's launch from this point. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will direct your path. So I'm going to tell you five things about how to know the will of God. Five things. How to know the will of God and how to walk in it. I'm going to tell you five things now. The first one is you start by committing your way to the Lord. When you do that, you have done something for yourself. You are laying a foundation for yourself. You are laying a foundation for yourself to be led by default. Did you hear what I just said now? When you commit your way to the Lord, when, when you are doing something in the name of the Lord, that's what do something in the name of the Lord means. When you do something in the name of the Lord, when you have committed your way to the Lord, what you have done is that you are laying a foundation for yourself whereby you can be led by default. When you want to choose married partner, what you are doing from a marital partner or a, partner, you know, a spouse or you want to date somebody and everything, it's not just from when you even see one guy that likes you. Because many of you people think that it's when a guy likes you or you guys are in talking stage, that's when you now start committing to the Lord. You're not committing to the Lord. It's because you already like the person. And that's why you're going to end up doing what you like. Committing it to the Lord means that even before you started liking someone or someone took an interest in you, right? Your mind was, your consciousness was already in the fact that I'm going to do this thing based on God's word. I'm going to commit my way to the Lord. It's not after you have chosen your way. You want to commit it. You commit it before you even choose the way. Do you understand that? So it's not when you're already in talking stage with someone that you like and you're already getting butterflies, you now start saying, Lord, tell me what to do. Yeah, it's a lie. So if you want to be led by default, that means that from the beginning, you have to commit. This is one level that people miss a lot. You are going about your life doing business. Now, I'm talking about faith in terms of the individual level, right? You know, I think about a lot of things. This is not faith in terms of the common faith of believers. This particular teaching now, these five things about knowing the will of God is more specific to your individual. So maybe I should call it how to walk in God's individual how to work, work, how to work in God's specific will. Because things that are common to us, we know how to get them, isn't it? Those ones are plain. We know it in nature that God real, God is real from God's word. We read it from God's word, isn't it? And then from the witness of the spirit, we know that God, that we are children of God. That's the things that all of us hold in common. So that's what I'm talking about now. So that is faith also, but for our common faith. I'm talking about faith for God's specific will for our lives. Are we together? So you also see how those three levels of this thing also come. So first of all, you have to commit your way to God before you even start. That's one problem that many people have. You are going into business and you want to do all kinds of things and everything. And in your mind subconsciously, you've already made up your mind on what you like. Before you now, bring, you now start bringing God into the equation. No, that's not how it works. It means that you commit your life. And not just after you've committed it all through your work. You must work with the consciousness that I have committed my way to the Lord. That's when you have made yourself, you have put yourself in a place where he can direct your path. Do you understand that? You must start in your mind by always committing your way to the Lord. So that means that all of you that are not in relationships now, you must make up your mind now that I'm going to do relationship according to God's way. So that means that from now, you start learning about value systems that are God's value system for marriage. You start, learning, you start learning cultures and things that are about God's, that is God's will for marriage. Do you understand that? It's now you make that decision that I'm committing my relationship life to God. So therefore, I will start leading my life and learning things accordingly. 
That's when you are walking in faith. Do you understand that? The second thing that I need to let you know, you see, this thing is very easy. If you can do these five things about the specific will of God, you will not make mistakes. I've seen some very, very strange things in my life, you know, about God's leading that are extremely shocking. That it is after I will look back, I'm like, God, so you're even leading me and I don't even know I was being led. Some things that are extremely accurate to, to be coincidence. It's very simple, though. You see it. So the first thing is commit your way to the Lord, right? The second thing that you need to do is very simple, is that you should use your brain. Use your intellect. When it comes to things about the specific will of God, there are so many things that God has put in the auspices. So don't forget now, you started your journey by committing your way to the Lord. So you are in the journey. You are, you are being led by default, isn't it? No, it means to be led by default. It means that God is ordering your steps. Even when you don't know, even know when you are not aware, but God is doing something, is ordering you. That's what it means to be led by default. So God is ordering yourself. So you are in the way now, right? One, commit your way. You are in the way. Two, use your intellect, use your brain. It means that there are some things that you are in that way now that God has put at the level of your common sense that you can sort out. That to not use your common sense is when you are coming out of the will of God. Went on first date. And she says, well, you're in talking stage. And then he says, ah, no, in fact, that's how one girl annoyed me and insulted me and everything. And I just gave her a slap because sometimes people need to be disciplined so they can know what is correct. It's your brain. It's your brain. I'm earning 250,000 per month. I'm earning 250,000 per month. It's why I was telling you where I faith, all these things go according to faith. I'm earning 250,000 per month, or I'm still doing um, gigs, jobs, and, and roughly, you know, on the average, the amount I earn per month is 250,000. But ah, I like this particular guy, and the guy is always talking about guys that have cars. Use your brain! I'm going to go and borrow 3 million naira to buy a Corolla, so I'll be paying it back. If I'm paying back 100,000 100, per month, in three years, I can pay. You. Use your brain. You that you are, you are earning 250,000, you are paying rent, you calculated your rent per month, is like 100,000. The food you are eating, and that's why you are not eating well, you look like a, this thing. The, the money you are earning is not even enough for your food, and the food is 50,000. You are taking off your parents at home, it's around 50,000, you are saving 50,000. If I can be doing 100,000 per month, I will. Use your brain. You don't need even to get into nature or to God's word or witness of the spirits. That's why the spirit doesn't even bother saying something sometimes. What is there to say? Use your brain. There's no, there's no, there's no sabinus about it. Use your intellect. That is not something you're meant to do. They're starting a church, only two. I say, we have we need a good location so that Unilag students can come. UI guys that are passing through Ikorodu Road can also branch. So I'll go and borrow money to rent a venue that will be paying for me. Is your brain. 
That's why you see all through the law and the prophets and the apostles. They'll keep saying things like, and these things seemed good for us to do. And this thing pleased us to do. There is a level of God's leading that is, you just use your brain and it seems okay to do. Christianity is not as, see, if you're going to take anything away from this series, you must appreciate that the Christian faith is not anti-rationality. It's not anti-logic. Use your head. You think. You think. You make calculated decisions. You are in the way now. You think. You look at your business. That you, that's a, you see that something is a bad decision. You now want to gamble with it. And you know it's a bad decision. You now say by faith. I know that God can turn the tide. That is not faith. I know you have thought that what faith means is to believe for something that you want. And use your will to make it happen. But that is not faith. Faith is knowing God, knowing his will and following it. So that means that if you are making a calculated bad decision, it's not about, I will use my mind and my will to... Before you know it, you are doing a new age mysticism. I will use my mind to confess the world. And the world will bend to my will. You cannot bend the world to your will. You are not God. There is only one entity that can bend existence to his will. And that is the God that can call light to shine out of darkness. You cannot. Did you hear what I just said now? Be vexed, angry, I go and tweet it. And say, Pastor Sam, I said another heresy. We'll meet in front. Don't worry. We'll still agree. It's just taking a few decades of reading God's word and experience. When you I clear, you will know. You cannot bend existence to your will. Only God can do that. God is the one. That all things bend to the counsel of his will. He's the one that fulfills his will. It is God that says things and they happen. What you, anything that you are saying that is not the will of God, you are saying it for your pocket. Life and death is the power of the tongue. Go and read it very, very well. He's talking about appreciating the effect that your tongue has on your life. It is not a comment on your ability to use your mouth to create life for the world. Try go and create your universe. Confess, confess and say, wood become metal. Try it. No. Your life and your confession and your profession must follow what God has said. That's when you will say something and you will have it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You're doing business and they say, this is the trend that the um, economy is going. This is the trend that the economy is going. Dollar will become so 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 amount at this time. So you are a farmer, and they say if you buy feed at this time, kineko kineko, by this time it will be this amount, and you can see it. And I say, Lord, I believe you. I have faith. Dollar will not rise. Is that faith? Do you see the difference now? Can you say the lot of things you have been doing that you have been calling faith? There is no faith. God told you that dollar will not rise. Eh? Did God tell you that? Say, Lord, I believe that dollar will not rise. Did God tell you that? What are you believing? You now go and make a decision, and the only thing will now collapse. I say, yeah, I'm being persecuted for my faith. Ah, it is, it is God who will restore. It is the devil. Affliction shall not arise a second time. All the demons in my village that made my business to collapse. Just be thanking God that God does not answer that prayer. Because if God answers that prayer, it's you that we collapse. It's you that we die. You don't know. You are praying and killing all your enemies. You don't know you are the enemy. 
of yourself. You should be thanking God that God does not answer that prayer. Because if God should kill the person that is the cause of your problem, <laughs> you will die. Number three. So, you now begin to see where um, those three levels of evidence come in. Look out for evidence from the external. Evidence from the world that God gives us. They are usually vague and not specific. But as you are walking in that will, you have entered that will, you have committed your way to the Lord, you begin to see some very, very strange things that God can use from the external to direct you. Things like word of prophecy is from the external. Do you understand that? You come to church and then someone tells you from outside. It's not from God's word and it's not a witness. See, there's somebody here, you know? There's somebody here. This, this and that and that and that. Agabus will stand up and tell us. So you see that the church did not pray that famine should go. Agabus stood up and said a famine is coming because he has seen that God has said it will come. Then the Christians, working in faith for the Christians was to do what? Begin to save money and send to those that were poor. Do you see that? Do you see that? So believers that heard that famine was coming and began to save and give to the needy were working in faith. Tell some people now, they say no. We rebuke it. We have the believer's authority. If I say yes, it is yes. If I say no, in fact, God can, if my faith says yes, God cannot say no. Therefore, I decree in the name of Jesus, Agabus, there shall be no famine. Prayer in Jesus' name. You guys will suffer the kind of suffer you have never seen in your life. So you look out. There are things in the external that come from the world. Do you understand that? There are some even more sophisticated levels of this thing. You'll be watching National Geographic and you might be in a place in your business and you just, let me tell you one that happened to me once. I don't know how to describe it. You know, you'll be watching National Geographic and you'll see something about the way an animal acted. And it just occurs to you that, huh? You just click something inside your mind. Like, huh? Okay, okay, okay. Can I make numbers? And then you just know. Like, okay, maybe this is what I should do. Don't worry, let's just listen to me. Look out for things on the external. Those are the places where things like strange coincidence also come in. Do you understand that? You're supposed to go on one particular trip and then that's the day that your boss now said you should not go out. And then he left you in the office and he gave you extra work. And then you're complaining and saying, God, what kind of boss is this and everything and everything. And then when you finish, you now run down to the bus, the bus station. And then when you go to the bus station, um, the boss had already left. And then you're angry and you went back. Like, what happened to my to my wife's boss and everything. He says, is that what happened to him? He said, in his life, he has never been angry at missing a flight. Because I missed, missed a flight recently. And I was so angry at the way the, the airline did and everything. He said, let me tell you a story. It happened to my boss. My boss says, since then, he will never be angry when he misses a flight. This one, something happened. He was trying to get his flight. And then a lot of things happened. And that day, he missed the flight. He was so angry. You know, everything, everything, everything. And all that on his way home, that flight, that plane crashed. Everybody online, everybody on the plane died. Looked back. Looked at the things that caused him to miss the flight. See God. Since that day, since that day, if he missed the flight, don't miss hell. Say God, they just be going. <laughs> just together. Do you understand that? Those are where strange coincidences come in. You're about to do something and some unlikely things just come and happen at the same time and order your steps. But guess what? Listen to this. Even these things must always be. Um, judged with God's word and the witness of the Spirit. Do you understand that? Even the things that you receive from evidence from the world have to be judged with God's word and what? The Spirit. Do you understand that? 
So you don't take them as you say, you don't say, I saw something in the world and that's, no. You still have to judge it based on, that's why the Bible says that you test every word, spirit. All together. Number four thing that you need to do is that as you're walking in that way and you're keeping your eye out for things from the outside, always act based on God's word. Always act based on the scriptures. Always act based on the fruit of the spirit. Listen to me. Eh? If you can do just these four things I've said, 99% of all the direction for you need for specific will have been taken care of. Just act based on God's word at every point in time. Just act with the fruit of the spirit at every point in time. Act in, with the fruit of the spirit. Don't act in the flesh. Continue to walk in the spirit and in align with God's word. Most of all the things you are worried about, about knowing God's will and everything, they are already sorted. 90, 99%, I can tell you this confidently. Because being led by the Spirit is actually a matter of how and not the what. You know what? I can't teach this thing finished today. We'll continue next week. It's ready time. It's a matter of the how and not the what. By just acting based on God's word, you want to make the relationship and you know business and everything. You already have a good idea of the whole counsel of God. You know how to conduct yourself as a Christian. There are a lot of things that by just acting as a believer should act based on God's word and based on the fruit of the Spirit, you have already you have you are being led already. You are being led already. When a, a particular um, a, a business person is acting to you in acting to you in a certain way and everything, as I tell that you don't need to start praying. Ah, um, you know what? Ah, what do I do in this case? Just act like a Christian. This is the point where I always tell people that everything is always a green light until it is a red. You know what I just said now? Everything is always a green light until it is a red. What you find is that most of the time, the next step you are meant to take is always clear if you are acting based on God's word and based on the fruit of the Spirit. It's almost always clear. Almost always clear. Just keep acting at every point in time. Make sure you are moving forward. It's always a green light. As long as you are walking forward consistently in the Christian conduct of the word of God and the fruit of the Spirit, while you just keep going in that direction, you are being led already. might not feel like it, but you are being led already. You want to do a business, and you don't, you know, you want to do a specific one. What, what you will happen is that when you look out to the world around you, you will have found out that there's a particular training and skill that you've been having. You understand that? And you've been acting properly with those that are your colleagues, those that are your business vendors, and everybody. You are acting yourself like a Christian at every point in time. You just keep going ahead with that business. Keep going ahead with that business. You will find that they are being led already. You'll be seeing all kinds of strange things happening in your life. Look back like, how come you were leading me? Yes, of course I was leading you. Because you are acting on God's word and you are acting in the fruit of the spirit. Conduct yourself with the fruit of spirit and take steps based on God's word. Don't be able to say, that's why you saying to most people that have good marriages. Not, I did not hear, you your marriage, your wife. I did not hear anything like that. In fact, we're going to talk about that maybe next Sunday. If you are hearing voices, there's a problem. You should not be hearing voices. You should not be hearing voices. Say, um, 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 my son, this is the next step to take. And you're hearing it loud all the time. Brother, sister, no. It's a witness. You know what? Let's continue next Sunday. Let's continue. Ah, now something very nice to preach next Sunday. Let's continue next Sunday. Praise God. Bow down your heads and let's pray. The things I've said, go and meditate on it this week. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.